to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. Hello, all you bloomers. Happy Friday. I'm Alexa, and with me is Ambrosia. What's up, Ambrosia? Hello, Alexa. How are you? Hello, Ambrosia. We're still doing our Silence of the Lambs voices. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Good times. It is good times. It is fun. Um, How are you doing? It's been a really – this week has literally flown by. Like, I don't know what happened, but June is flying. I really wish I felt the same way. Oh. <laughs> um, that's not my experience. That's okay. <laughs> We're not living the exact same life? <laughs> We're not. I know. But um, I'm ready for this week to be over. Nice. Just damn. It was a lot. Okay. <laughs> but it's good now. It's good now. Great. We're on We're on Friday. Yahoo. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So today is the first Friday in the month of June. That is crazy to say. Um, May just flew by and we are in June, baby. So uh, as you know, we've been doing monthly um, – we've been t- picking topics every month that we all could learn more about. We started with money. The next month was relationships. The month, a- month after that was sexuality. And now we are moving into – drumroll – Parenting! Yay! Conscious parenting, to be specific. Um, I don't have children, but Ambie does. I have enough for both of us. Yeah, you do. You can have some of mine. Yeah. And uh, I want to be a parent soon, and a lot of our listeners are parents. So we thought this would be an awesome, awesome, awesome topic. And we have an amazing guest here with us for the month of June, and her name is Christy Fernandez. And Christy is a first-generation Dominican-American educator, mom of two, and writer. She spent the last eight years as a special education teacher and youth mentor in urban environments, integrating her passion for restorative practices and mindfulness in and outside of the classroom. With the birth of her first son in 2014, Christy realized that traditional parenting models did not resonate with her, so she has been on a journey of parenting consciously and intuitively ever since. She recently welcomed her second baby boy and launched her website, empathmom.com, where she explores (laughs) how spirituality, wellness, and parenting all come together. As an empowered empath and highly sensitive person, Christy seeks to use her gifts in order to shift others' perspectives on how we can all learn from one another. Hi, Christy. Welcome to Inner Bloom. (laughs) 
Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. So glad for you to be here. So excited. Yeah, thank you. Yes. yes. We've been awaiting this moment for many months <laughs> yes. behind the scenes. Really? Well, we've always known we're like, we're going to do parenting. We're definitely going to do parenting. It's a big topic right now. And I think um, you know, I almost feel weird that I'm I'm the one speaking on this because again, I don't have kids, but I just know that our audience, one of the things that is constantly being talked about, and I also know from talking to Ambrosia quite a bit that it's just a big um it's a big thing that people are asking questions about and trying to rethink, um, rethink the model. And so we're happy to have you here. <laughs> well, hopefully I do it justice. Because <laughs> well. parenting is such a huge topic, you know, it's very deeply personal for people. So yeah. um, hopefully we learn some stuff here today. And I will, I'm always learning too. So Perfect. see what comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Always learning. I like that. And I like your pictures in the background. If you're watching this on YouTube, she's got um, beautiful family pictures in the background, which is so appropriate for what we're talking about today. (laughs) That's so funny. I didn't even plan that, but cool. (laughs) Play that off. You're good. Always got to think about your background. So, Christy, we would love if you know you could. We could all start by you just telling more of you know your story and your journey with parenting and conscious parenting and, you know, how this became a, a, a thing for you. How did you yeah. grow up and how how do you raise your children too? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so going back to how I grew up, I really did grow up in a basically traditional um, model or what we would call kind of old school model because my parents are immigrants. They came from the Dominican Republic. So, um, you know, I mean, they grew up on a farm kind of life, rural environment, 10 kids on each side of the family. Um, yeah, it's a really, yeah, really huge families. Um, shout out to my grandmothers on the other side, because <laughs> that's a lot of kids. Um, and, you know, with that comes a lot of, you know, just survival mode, I would yeah. say, um, style of parenting. You know, my parents came from a different country, uh, didn't know the language, were here without much family support, I would say. Um, So, of course, I don't, you know, blame. I I went through a lot of work in order to not blame my parents for a lot of the things that, you know, um, resulted from my style of parenting, of, like, uh, being raised. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would would say it was just, you know, they did the best they could with what they knew. very strict upbringing, kind of religious. My mom um, was, is, was, is very religious still to this day, um, in the Catholic church. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that as well. Um, a lot of fear-based. Right. Fear-based a lot mentality. Of, yeah, exactly. So a lot of fear-based things um, and just, you know, punishment and shame is kind of the tool that, that was utilized often in order to kind of keep you in line. It's, um, a lot of the traditional parenting is about um, keeping kids in line in a way, like yeah. do what what I want you to do when I want you to do it versus allowing that child to kind of come to knowing what to do yeah. for other reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, really quick, because I want to ask you a question while we're here. Mm-hmm. So that is, the traditional air quoting traditional right. um, way of raising a children as far as um, 
you know, you're under my house, you're under my rules type right. mentality, right? And um, I think in the my mother grew up in the 40s, and the 40s kids were really to be seen and not heard. Yeah. And so it's interesting because um, I was actually working with a therapist on this, but people that grew up in the 40s, so typically they raised kids that were in the 70s, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't kids that were my age because my mother was quite significantly older when she had, well, she didn't have me, but that doesn't really matter. Anyway, she was significantly older and um, they went one of two ways. So they went really, really hard on children. Um, You know, you're go out and pick your own switch and I'm going to beat you with it. Or they went, go ahead and do whatever you want and no structure, no organization, nothing. And that's how I was raised with, you tell me whatever you want to do. And so because of that, it really, I really sought after um, structure. I really sought after some kind of conformity, something that I could, you know, hold on to and some kind of consistency with parenting. So I just thought that that was interesting from like a psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not everybody, but it's most people that were raised in that baby boomer generation. Right. So, yeah. and it leads into people in our generation because then we were raised by by those people that were really, really, really strict or just kind of free and let go. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I was more on the strict side. I wouldn't say like we never got beat with switches or anything like that um well in latino households they'll know about chancletas that's another thing like the (laughs) flip-flop but that happened every now and then but uh, (laughs) um it wasn't like that but um yeah i definitely understand what you're saying most of the time kids psychologically kids want structure that's um so going too much the other way is also an issue can also cause an issue um with like just kind of knowing how to self-regulate and all that kind of stuff as you get older and I know recently you talked about procrastination um being an issue for you like that's something that for me as well was an issue um growing up because I felt so much pressure from my mom to like get everything done and get it done perfectly that um if I didn't, like, I preferred not to even start, like, doing it at all because I was like, I, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to deal with it. Um, so, it, and it can go both ways. I, but definitely as a teacher, I mean, and I guess that's a lot of my parenting was informed by being a teacher. And I'm, I was able to bridge those connections because, you know, learning a lot about child psychology and, like, um, understanding changing behaviors, especially um, since I worked with students with special needs. So it was a a lot of like kids with learning disabilities or behavioral issues that like people after a while didn't give them a chance anymore. So it was like, if you come in with a certain mentality, you're kind of just going to get that same behavior that you're expecting from the the child. Um, So learning about all of those things and how to like make relationships with those children in order for them to even want to change their behavior because I worked with middle schoolers. So uh, they were already kind of set in their ways. Um, But that became like the main component. It was like building that relationship with them. So naturally when I became a mom, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. You know, I'm going to have this perfect strong relationship with my child. Um, But then of course you're, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's number one. But also, I didn't realize that I was going to have to, like, deal with 
all my childhood stuff in order to like be that mom that I wanted to be. And that's where like it turned into like a more conscious type of parenting, I would say, because the goal of conscious parenting is really to um, deal with yourself. You're kind of like parenting your own inner child in order to be the best parent you can be for your kids. Wow. I never heard it described that way. That, but yeah. that makes so much sense. Definitely. Really. Yeah. And it, it, honestly, it was something that I wasn't expecting to have to deal with because, you know, I was like the know-it-all. I knew I have a master's in education. I, I know kids. I know what I'm doing. But like circumstances, I ended up living back with my mom um, after my son was born. My husband and I and my son lived with my mom. And it was like all of a sudden all these triggers like that I completely forgot about, you know, because I, I love my mom. She's awesome. And like I didn't really have the, my childhood on the forefront of my mind. But like all of a sudden I'm raising my kid under the roof of someone who doesn't see things the same way that I do. And now all of a sudden, like all these things were like flooding back to me, like about, you know, these expectations and just the wording that she would use. Like she would say, oh, don't embarrass me in Spanish. Like, no, me, no, me está haciendo pasar vergüenza is don't embarrass me and she said that about my baby and I was like wait what <laughs> so I was like what does that mean and then it's like she doesn't even know what it means but it's kind of just like a saying that you say like behave or do be on your best behavior mm-hmm. but like you're saying that to a nine-month-old and I'm like um he's a baby like he doesn't know what behavior is like you need to like guide his behavior but she didn't understand that so it was like a lot of triggers came up for me I realized that I totally like had buried a lot of things um and I definitely needed to like experience that through that lens of motherhood to realize you know that I wanted to break the cycle it's almost like you got to see your childhood but from an outside perspective like from an adult view you know right like Which, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't get to do that. Like they'll, you know, they'll go to the holidays and visit their their mom or whatever, and then like get to leave. Even and a lot of people do get their buttons pushed by their parents, but they don't know why. Yeah. So I really, I mean, I was there for about a year with my son and my husband and under the same roof as my mom. So it was just like you know, I really had to. I couldn't escape it. I couldn't just leave and you know deal with it or not deal with it. So I had to dig deep. Yeah. I hear you. My mother lives with us. So. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, well, so I guess like I'm, I'm really interested now to hear about, you know, so from your perspective, Christy, cause you already mm-hmm. gave us a little preview, but what is conscious parenting? Cause I know that a lot of people, um, who are listening, like they want to be conscious parents. I, I want to be one when I'm yeah, I I want to be one too. <laughs> Envy wants to be one. We all I'm still be working one. on it. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's, not, it's not something you've mastered. I'm so um, glad that you're light about it because there are some people that are like, we need to meditate 12 hours a day no, to be conscious like, parents. I mean, and I'm like, <laughs> like sometimes real. I want to strangle them. So, and it's conscious when I don't. And I just walk away. You know what I mean? So I really like that you're not making me personally. I don't know about our listeners. I'm kidding. (laughs) But I I like that you're not making me feel bad about it. That's nice. Thank you. No, I mean, because it's it's a work in progress. Like, honestly, first of all, kids, 
everything changes. When you think you know what you're doing, all of a sudden something different happens and it's a whole new issue, whatever. Like you get used to something and then it changes. So it's always a work in progress and I'm by no means an expert. <laughs> so to answer your question, Alexa. Yeah. Um, so the differences, I would say, so basically conscious parenting, well, and you know, there's like a whole school of thought behind it. And I will openly admit that I have not studied like the, the whole school of thought. Um, but I know from what I know of it and what I take from it is that it's a relationship-based um, style of parenting. So you want to like make sure that you're connecting with your kids before, like that's just the foundation of what it is. Like when you have a relationship with a partner or with a friend, you're looking for common ground before you are asking for something from them. Right. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can agree with that. Um, so kids, by nature of them being smaller than us, we think that they don't have that ability to make those connections, but they absolutely do. And as we know, as you know, grown adults, we remember lots of things from our childhood. Um, there's definitely that one person or those few people that we connected with as kids that like made you feel seen. And mm-hmm. that's always been my goal, like as a teacher and then now definitely as a mom to make sure that my kids, whether they're my students or my actual kids, <laughs> get are seen, you know. So that's that's the number one thing for me. Um, yeah. So I, I well, I love what you just said because you just literally triggered a memory from just saying that. I was like, <gasps> like my heart just like leapt because I I remembered that feeling of being so little and certain adults, I loved them. Like I just wanted to be around them all the time because they they didn't treat me like a child. They treated me gently and and like tenderly, but it wasn't like – like like that we were speaking right. different languages. They they spoke my language. It was kind of like a Mr. Rogers type of thing. Like they they got down on my level mm. and they treated me like we were talking. We were speaking the same to each other. And and you just triggered that memory of like how much that meant to me and how much I loved I, I respected them and I wanted to be around them. How good that made me feel. Um, but also you know what so so what's interesting from my perspective about conscious parenting is or this idea of conscious parenting is that so okay so I I have a dog I don't have a child I have a dog and mm-hmm. I've had this dog now for 11 years and I got her when I was in college and it was an people told me do not get this dog while I was in college you're not going to be able to take care of it well I did she's like my child she's like my pre-child right right and <laughs> and I've gone through a lot of kind of stages with her that I think I feel like parents might go through where so my parents with me like, like I, I had all these ideas. Like, well, I'm gonna do all the things with my with, with this dog and the rules about this dog that, like, my parents, you know, that 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 I that I'm gonna take liberties with this with this situation and how I what I let her do and stuff based off of what I didn't like about what my parents did, type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just about the freedom that I felt and all of that. And something that I feel like I keep seeing happen with parents right now is it's almost like this rebellion against what their parents did. So maybe their parents were super strict and told them no a lot Mm -hmm. and treated them, you know, talked down to them. So now they have kids and they think that conscious parenting or the way to counteract that is to never say no. And to, and to to never make the child feel at all 
um, diminished or um, like they have any sort of boundary because – and I get it. It's like this idea like, well, I didn't want to feel restricted and they made me feel restricted so I don't want my kids to feel restricted. But I that's – I just wanted to raise this point here because I feel like in the beginning we were talking about structure and how important mm-hmm. that is. And I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that, about, you know, these two extremes and then like why structure is so important um, and then how to create structure while making someone feel – making the child feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like – and even I still kind of struggle with like, well, wait, how do you balance those two? It's like you want to give the yeah. child the freedom and the acknowledgement, but you also want to give them structure in order to feel safe. It's mm-hmm. a good yeah. question. That is. So, I mean – so before anything, you want the relationship piece, right? So you want your kids to feel safe, love, you know, make sure there's food, all those yeah. basic needs are met, of course, you know, and, and of course, and, and then again, that is something uh, like for us to even have this conversation is born out of privilege, right? Because we're able to even think about it. So like right. when I, when I think back to my, my parents, you know, it was, like I said before, survival mode, like, did they have a chance to think about how they made us feel? Not really, because A, right. they probably weren't much in touch with their own feelings. Um, and then on top of that, they're just trying to provide and make sure that we have it better than they did. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's um, always something that's in the back of my mind when I talk about these conversations, because it does come from a place of privilege. Yeah. Um, what a nice way to say that. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Um, it's just really important because um, even like when it comes to talking about, I mean, now is a lot more access, but talking about like eating better and those kinds of things. I always think about that because I know growing up, my mom got whatever we can afford to eat. Right. So yeah. um of course, I'm lucky enough to be like, no, don't feed my kid McDonald's. But, you know, that's because I'm lucky enough to say that, right? I'm able yeah. to provide alternatives. Um, so just rooting this conversation in that. Um, but back to the question on structure, um, same thing like in the classroom. So you want to make sure that kids know what to expect, right? So when we think when we talk about discipline, like the word discipline has been switched from what it originally meant. Like when you think disciplines as in like a disciple of Jesus, mm-hmm. he would teach them, right? So it was never like, it was never like a punishment, right? He would teach them based on their experiences or he would bring them, lead them somewhere and show them uh, those things. So you want to think of discipline as teaching, leading to what you want versus just um punishing for something that you don't want, right? Mm-hmm. So if kids don't know what what they're expected to do, they're just going to do whatever. And then all of a sudden they're going to find out, oh, what I just did got me in trouble. Mm-hmm. So now you're giving a negative um, reinforcement versus giving that upfront positive. So like if you already give them the expectation of what you want, then you can praise them for that when mm-hmm. they do so can and you now, give me an example of that? So it's like yeah. setting a boundary. Yeah, front. so up front, right. So my I have a four-year-old, and um, Ambie probably knows. I don't know the ages of your kids, but four is a very willful age. <laughs> really, that's a nice way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> very willful. They want to do everything themselves, but they don't know how to do it yet. So it's just, like, really frustrating for <laughs> both sides. <laughs> so, like, for my son, basically, like, we really – 
and and let me tell you that this has been a transition because we went through a lot of tantrums and all that stuff too. But um, we like what we've learned to do is kind of preview um, what we want. So like, let's say I know that it's going to be a really like, okay, yesterday, yesterday was really busy. I had an appointment for my younger son for the baby. Um, but I also had another appointment in the morning. So it was like going to be a lot. And I had the four-year-old with me. So before the day started, I was like, okay, Andrew, this is what we're going to do. Um, we have this first appointment. Um, and then we're going to have this other appointment. We have to go in the car, which sometimes those are triggers <laughs> for children. Yeah, the car seat. Nobody likes <laughs> the car seat. And now I have an infant too. So he doesn't like car seat. And if he starts <laughs> crying, then the older one is like annoyed. So it's just a lot <laughs> all the time. But setting that boundary, like telling him, okay, if we do this, um, if you're good in the car, then you might get a popsicle by the end of the day. And then it's just like throughout the day, he kept asking me, like, am I still get good to get my popsicle? Like, yeah, you're doing a wonderful job. You've been a good helper. So it's like things like that, just kind of priming him beforehand. Um, and then I try to, re I mean, not all parents want to reward certain things, but I feel it, it's basically part of behavioral training that if you're re rewarding upfront, yeah. then, you know, then in the end, you don't really need to reward it every time. Um, so that's my strategy. I don't know if that's necessarily a can conscious parenting. Like, well, I have a question. <laughs> like, I don't know. I have a question about that. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So that's like. So it's. I've I've thought about that as well. This like idea. It's like the rewarding thing. It's like, do you find that then that causes the child? I know you're saying like, I don't know if this is conscious parenting, this is just what I do. But in your experience, is that – well, I just think the whole – there's so many pieces of this all yeah. to dissect. There, like, there is. The, I, I, the reward part. Go ahead. Go ahead. Really good. Yeah. Um, well, so I mean I think the big thing for me too is communication. Like my son – I mean he's very verbal though. As Well, my four-year-old, he's really like talkative and he's – he and I don't know if that's a result of – my parenting or because he just happens to be that way. But um, I talk to him through like everything. So even like, let's say when he does have a meltdown or a tantrum, then we kind of first, usually I kind of ask him, what is he feeling? So like what I noticed as I was like raising my kid in my mom's house was that I didn't know my emotions. Like I didn't recognize emotions. I was either like super shy, quiet, didn't do anything or angry. Like I, I didn't have much in between. So like I was, I had to teach myself how to recognize my emotions. And I like really intentionally when my son was going through like a phase of, he didn't really know how to express himself fully, um, but was constantly like just angry all the time because he wanted to say things and he didn't know how, like I taught him emotions. Yeah. Like that was like, one of the first things. So like now he'll say, I'm frustrated, I'm excited, I'm happy. I'm sad and like different things in between. So usually I just try to check in with him to kind of figure out where that discomfort is coming from. Um, and, but there's moments where we all blow up. So yeah. we, you know, it happens. So, so you're human. So. That's weird. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. I like that. I wrote that down as like a note. Um, what is he feeling? Because I feel like also, 
a lot of the times kids are actually reprimanded for feeling negative emotions or what we view negative emotions to be, right? They're not negative, but, but the point is, is that how many times I know my husband does this sometimes the kids will be crying and he'll be like, stop crying. And I'm like, man, they're feeling their feelings. Let them Mm -hmm. feel their feelings. Why are you making them stop crying? It doesn't make any sense. And then by saying that it just gets worse and it blows up, you know? Um, or like boys don't cry, you know, suck it up. Don't be a little bitch. Like those are ways of, of pushing your emotions down. And, um, it's interesting when my, my oldest is 15, my middle child is six. And then my little one is three, three is three is a tough age. Three is not my favorite. Um, (laughs) but when my oldest son, I was really aware of, I remember every guy that I dated, I'm so sorry if you listen to this podcast, but every guy that I dated had like these emotions that they couldn't really express. And it really felt like they were suppressing a lot of emotion. And so I remember thinking like, I'm going to raise my son differently. I'm going to raise him to feel feelings. But then it went the other way real fast. And then he like cried at the drop of a hat. And I was like, we went too far on the spectrum here. We need to reel it back in because you're crying because you dropped a pen. So this is, you know what I mean? It's like a little, bring it back in, buddy. We can just, but I like that idea of checking in with them. I think the only time I really check in with my kids is when I'm asking them if they're happy. (laughs) So if they have, if they seem content, I'll just look at them and I'll go happy. And they say happy. And then we're happy. And that's it. Um, but well, I mean, I that idea. Yeah. Of, like, even uh, as adults, I feel like we, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Even as adults, I feel like sometimes that's how we are too, right? Like, so if you're happy, you're like, yeah, I'm happy. And I'm like shouting it off the rooftops and telling everyone. But when you're not feeling it, like you kind of just keep it to yourself. Don't identify it necessarily. Like, that's something that I feel like we're all kind of um, raised to do. Like, it's don't. You, nobody wants to see your sadness like nobody yeah. you know yeah. so I think that's something that like I realized a lot of my like mental health issues that I struggled with um in my you know teen years came from that because I often felt sad as an empath I was picking up on other people's energies and I didn't know that I was picking up on other people's energies but because I didn't I wasn't allowed to express it like I just was sad and I thought it was something wrong with me and that's what like becoming a mom finally helped me like really realize I don't want this for my kids and I have my I'm pretty sure my oldest child is an empath as well because he changes his moods changes depending on who's around like Mm -hmm. quickly and he's like a quick judge of character so I'm like I have this opportunity to be the mom for him that I didn't get to be or like that person so what what would have happened if I got to have that you know like I wouldn't be struggling with these you know things that I struggle with like like speaking Mm. speaking out loud and like talking to people in in a room and like all of those things like just being like I have trouble with that I have trouble with being seen right so that's something that I'm making sure that my son doesn't have to deal with he might have some a slew of other issues because (laughs) that's just what happens (laughs) but But that one he will not right so I'll make sure that one does you know it's good it's good to go. <laughs> it's cool because you get to, again, it's like that you get to like 
when I when I do tapping sessions with my clients, I do um, we every time I get the intuition to do like a visualization with the client, um, I always do like an inner child visualization, mm-hmm. and I take them back to like a time where they felt really bad or alone or isolated. It was just some time that was very challenging for them as a child, and I have them like communicate with them. And um, every single time, no matter who it is, no matter what the situation is, they'll come out of it and be like, that was so powerful. And I'm like, yeah, it really is because you, you're connecting with this part of you that's still there that really never got what they needed. And that's part what the visualization is. I, I, I help them give that version of them, the little version of them, what they need in that moment right. and ask them and communicate. And I feel like you're you're kind of like helping me see it's like, you get to do that for your kids because like you knew what it was like to be there and you can understand like what they're going through. So now you get to give, you get to provide them what you didn't know that you needed at the time, you know, and heal that and that and, and, and also simultaneously like heal that part of yourself too. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, right. That's a lot of the work that I did was like inner child, work like going back to to visualizing myself as a child and like moments where I didn't feel heard and like just making sure that I heal those parts in order for for me not to perpetuate that cycle um with my kids Um, so how do you make your four-year-olds feel heard now that you have a second child because I know that the game really changed for me when I had more than one kid Mm -hmm. um and it's it's interesting because my husband and I asked the kids one day over dinner, do you feel heard? And every child was like, no. And I was like, oh, excellent. We're all having the same issue here. Good. Right. Good. We can all go to group therapy together. So that'll be fun later on. I'm joking. But, <laughs> but how do you how do you balance that energy with two of them now? Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely a challenge the first few months. I mean, it's, he's only five months, so it's still the first few months. We're still working on that dynamic a lot. But um, the first, like, really, like, the first two months, I, I would say, I don't know if I was on my conscious parenting game at all because it was just really, you know, you're tending to a, a newborn. And then on top of that, we kind of had came across some issues, medical issues that we didn't know Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming. So like, it was really, really a stressful time um, for all of us. But I do remember like uh, a moment and I'm, I'm also really lucky that my husband's into a lot of this stuff. Um, so let me just say that too, because I know a lot of the child rearing falls on moms still. Un- unfortunately, like it shouldn't be that way. But um, men just haven't been equipped with the tools to like do these things as well. So my husband was raised by a single mom and she's amazing and he's amazing. So like he's really in touch with his own emotions and that kind of stuff. So it's, it makes it a lot easier. Um, but I do remember like there was a time when um, a few weeks after I brought home the second baby and my son, like we literally sat on the couch and cried together. Like we had to like kind of go through that transition. Like my, we had just had like my, the baby was crying the older child was crying and then it was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, how are we even doing this? And then we kind of just all sat down and like, let it go. <laughs> like we felt the feelings and let and let it go and it was okay. And now my son literally just saw his father kind of break down. He saw his mom break down and that's okay. And I think the 
thing with parenting is that it's kind of a big ego trip, right? Like a lot of the times we want to look a certain way either to our kids or to the outside world. Um, but I, I, for me, like, I just feel like vulnerability is okay. Like we have to model vulnerability and like, there was so many deaths in my family growing up and I barely ever saw my parents cry. Like no one ever checked in on us to see how we felt about, you know, so-and-so passing away. So like, I, I, I think that's the only way that our world is going to move forward is if like we're allowed to see each other as humans and where, where else should that start than at home? Mm. That's powerful. And too, what I'm seeing is like up until now we've had this, and this I think is what you're saying is like up until now we've had this thing where it's like I'm the parent. So it's like so I need – like I'm in charge and not only am I in charge but like I have it all together and like like playing this role, you know, like stepping into right. this role. Like now I am the parent. So that means that nothing can ever go wrong and no one can ever see that I'm weak or that I have problems <laughs> too or anything like that and what – I feel like we're moving into now is like, hey, I'm a parent and I'm nothing is like I still have problems and I still cry and I still don't know what to do. And showing your kids that from the beginning helps um, helps re- reduce that tension of like I have to put on this act all the time like I got right. it together and then it more normalizes for your kid that like, hey, I have feelings and it's okay that you break down sometimes and it's okay to – it's okay for you to break down sometimes because we all do it and kind of putting everyone on the, an even playing field that way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I honestly remember the first time that I realized like my mom doesn't know everything. You know, like have, has everyone had that moment? Like I remember that moment. Yeah. Do you have that moment, Alexa? Um, I don't have a moment, but I'm. You will. You will. Yeah. Maybe you haven't had it. Yeah. Yet. No. 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 I, I, I know, know that my mom does not know everything. <laughs> Maybe I've just had. Well, you many. know, but yeah. there was. I mean, I wasn't. I think I was an adult when I realized, like, oh crap, she doesn't know everything about parenting because at that point, I thought, like, you know, your mom is your only model for a parent, like that's or your dad or whoever raised you, obviously, or, you know. But she, like, when I had a moment right after my first son was born and I asked her question, she was like, I don't remember. Like the last time I had a baby was 30 years ago. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh crap. Like I have to figure this out <laughs> myself. <laughs> like, yeah. and that's just, I mean, and that's just the type of person that I am. Like I've always kind of just been open about it. So like, if I don't know, I'm going to just show that. Like it's hard for me to like not, but, but there are certain people around that I'm around sometimes that I want to put that like, Oh, I know what I'm doing, or you know, like, yeah. but none of us do. <laughs> like, you know, let's, you know what let's gets me? Like, you know what gets me is when um, my daughter doesn't brush her hair, which is funny because if you're watching the YouTube video right now, I look a hot mess. But <laughs> when my daughter doesn't brush her hair, it definitely is a trigger for me because it makes me feel like a bad mom, and it makes me feel like. Who is going to think badly of me because her mm-hmm. hair is not brushed? Yeah. And I, then honestly, one of the things that like has helped me really be like, okay, it's your journey. It's your <laughs> hair. If you don't want to brush it, it's fine. Is um, Alexa's story about how she wanted to wear the same outfit. I was just school. about to tell that story. Yeah. Tell that story because yeah. you told it. <laughs> I so when I was my mom tells me this story I don't remember this happening but when I was like 
three or four in daycare or pre-K or whatever. Um, apparently, like, I wanted to wear the same thing to school every day. Like, I really liked this outfit and I wanted mm-hmm. to – I felt really comfortable and I wanted to wear it. And my mom and I would constantly get in fights about it. And my mom would tell me that I would cry and be like, why? Like, why can't I wear this every day? Like, why not? And my mom would be like, because. I'd be like, because why? She'd be like, because everyone's going to think that you have no clothes. And I would be like, so what? She'd be like, so everyone will think that we don't buy buy you clothes and that you don't have things to wear. And finally, I like turned around and was like, so this is about you. And my mom was like, (gasps) and like. (laughs) <laughs> back and she was like, oh, shit, because like, mm-hmm. she did not expect me to say that. And she was like, yeah, I guess it is about me. And I was like, "It's a, you care what people think about you. This isn't about me. And my mom, then she felt so like, I don't know, but she compromised and let me wear the same thing to school two days in a row. <laughs> but she had to talk to the teacher and be like, listen, she has clothes. This is just a deal. Like, like you know, and it's – but here's the thing. I still have a complex about clothes and wearing the same thing. Like, I still have that. Mm-hmm. So do I. Okay. <laughs> we have the same thing. Yeah. But the, the, it's funny that you say that because – and like I backtracking a little bit, like – my, the first year, babies are easy, right? You feed them, you you know, put them to sleep when they need to change their diaper. But when they hit that, like, twos where they have, like, their own, they want to do their own thing. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's, yeah, my son was you, right? He was the one that wanted to know why. He was the one that was like, but that doesn't make sense. He's very, very intelligent. So, like, if it didn't make sense, like, it just, it wouldn't happen. You know, like, yeah. we had to come back. <laughs> to like why so then he's literally a mirror holding up to me like why why is this an issue like who cares and isn't that like what we're going for in this like kind of world that we're in with spirituality is like letting go of the ego so I feel like if you don't let go of your parenting ego then you're not a complete person like you have to let that go your kids aren't uh, like they're not an extension of you. And that's the thing that it, they're a reflection of you. And And you can learn so much from your kids if you just listen. (laughs) Ambie, I was just about to say, and you, I know that you've talked about this before that you are, were self-conscious about your hair when you were growing up. Yeah, I was, I was self-conscious about my hair because people used to make fun of it. Um, yeah, yeah. So really interesting. Yeah, I definitely. But her hair is different than mine. It's not like frizzy. Okay, <laughs> My hair is like frizzy. Her hair is matted right. in the back. Not. <laughs> sit there. It looks a hot mess, but she doesn't like to brush it because it hurts. Mm-hmm. But you don't want anyone to make fun of her or anything to happen right. to her about her hair. And that makes sense. Touche. <laughs> I mean, yo, I have it. Like I said, I have a dog and I've been going, my partner and I have both been going through this for the past like year. So my dog is a little dog. Again, I don't have a baby, but I have a dog. And she's, <laughs> she's um, a lot of listeners have dogs. Okay. She's, right. so she's, she's, um, she's little and she's a dachshund. So she kind of has like a long body, but she's not like a full dachshund. She's a mix. Anyway, she's chubby. She's a chubby little thing. She's so chubby. And and the it's thing so is, you cute. know, you know when you like you 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 live with someone every day, so you just like that's how you see them. You don't really right. see them as so I take her on, we take her on walks, and lately people just come up to us straight up. They'll just come up and be like, Wow, your dog is so fat. Like just straight <laughs> up. And me and my partner are just like, What? 
Like, because it just seems, and they seem like they're just like laughing. They're just saying it so loud and like just so casually about it. And I'm like, what if I told you your baby was fat? Like, would that be okay? I don't know. That's what it feels like. To <laughs> no. Me. Yeah, it's no. It's not okay right. to say but, babies are ugly. But, just but, so you know. But so, <laughs> but so it like, and literally recently I've been walking my dog and feeling so self-conscious. Like we go through a group of pe- kids and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, like, and and one of them uh, a few days ago said something. I think they were just like, look at the dog. Like, I don't know. And there, this, and I felt so hurt inside, like so sad. And I was like, why do I feel so sad about this? She doesn't care. She's a dog living her best life. Like literally she's she – She literally loves, is. She yeah. loves her life. And I realized it's because I, I remember walking through the hallways of my school – and feeling so self-conscious that people were looking at me, that I didn't look right, that I wasn't wearing the right thing, that I was overweight. Like, you know what I mean? And and so I'm just relating to this story, Ambie, that what you're yeah. going through with the hair. It's like it's – I don't have a kid. I have a dog and I'm going through it. You know what I yeah. mean? So mm-hmm. definitely. definitely reflections, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a big part of it. Like I feel like every time – because I, I do get triggered all the time, you know, and every time that it – happens I'm like why is this bothering me so much but it took me a long time to get to that place it's when you're trying to get the kid out the door or whatever you know like you have places to be you have things to do like you don't think about those things necessarily but it's like when they keep coming up I just you know I would I would just stop and kind of think about why does it bother me so much you know why so, is this happening mm-hmm. and and kind of just unpack those things so that it's not such a big deal and then you start to realize that like a lot of things are not a big deal. <laughs> it's just so not. can we talk about hitting really fast? Mm-hmm. Why yeah. why we have you here? Sure. Um, <laughs> my three year old, I realized that he he likes attention. He doesn't mm-hmm. care if it's positive or negative attention. He just likes attention. We do the whole thing where my husband will hug him from one side and I'll hug him from the other. And he literally will say, I feel loved. Like he Aww. just loves it, right? Obviously, we have two other kids. We can't do that all day. Mm-hmm. So typically, it's funny to me because it's not me. But typically, when my husband gets home, my three-year-old will come up and, like, punch him in the balls. And, like, he gets a reaction yeah. really quick, right? <laughs> or I think it's funny. Don't tell my husband. Um, or, like, when he wakes up in the morning, he'll be like, good morning, mommy. Bam. And, like, hit you. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Back off. I just woke up. Like, why are you hitting me? And he'll be like, ha, 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 and walk away. And I'm like, I don't understand how to fix this. Because if I ignore it, he's very um, hard-headed. So if I ignore him, because I've tried that, no, he's just going to hit me harder. Mm -hmm. So how would you go about fixing or, you know, moving away from behaviors that you don't want to see? So what uh, what comes up for me initially is like um, fostering empathy in, in our children. So like g- having him understand, kids don't get it. Like they at that small age that they're like, they're, their world is just whatever they see. It's like, it's very, like if you go back to psychology, they're ru- ruled by the, the ego at that point, which is similar but different to the ego we talk about in spirituality. Um, but the, basically they're the center of their own world, right? So mm-hmm. For him, it's funny. So he's going to do whatever it takes to be funny. Um, and maybe someone has at some point laughed about it or whatever, and they, that kind of reinforced it as funny. Um, but if, 
you kind of talk to him about how would you feel? Like a lot of people don't think that kids have are able to develop empathy, but they do. They they if you talk to them from that perspective, like that hurts mommy. Have you been hurt before? Like I'm sure there's been a time where he fell, he got a boo-boo, whatever. And so do you want to cause mommy to have a boo-boo or you want to cause mommy to be hurt? And most likely it'll be no. Sometimes they'll cry. Like my son, when I first, you know, tried to get him to understand that his actions had a natural consequence, like he would cry about it. Like, I don't want to make you feel hurt or things like that. And most kids are really trying to please their parents or whoever is their, you know, caregiver, caregiver. So I would try to, I would try that with him and see how he reacts. Um, It might take a little bit because, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I think people don't give kids as much credit as they are due. Like they know more than we think. And a lot of it is, if you apply like what we talk about in speciality, which is like the reawakening, right? That a lot of it is kind of wired in them if we drive it the right way. Mm-hmm. Because it just depends on their experiences. You know, like obviously there's a lot of kids that I've worked with in middle school with a lot of trauma and stuff behind that. But fundamentally the at the core, like they tend to understand these concepts. So mm-hmm. at least in my experience. Thank you. Have you ever tried that, Ambie? Um, I've explained to him that it hurts and it's it's not nice. Um, but I haven't said it gives me a boo-boo like when you get a boo-boo. I haven't used those words, so maybe those words. But when I tell him it hurts and it makes me feel sad, he laughs at me. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, he probably just doesn't connect what that means. So, like, yeah. if, if he doesn't really realize what the words hurt means, then, like, you might have to like bring up a time where he fell in the park or like something that like really yeah. might still be in his, you know, cause also kids attention spans are kind of short. So he might not right. remember, yeah. but, or even let's say it comes up before he hits. Right. So like, let's say he um, gets her bumps himself or something like that. Then you might want to kind of tie that in then like mm-hmm. have that conversation before the, the, the behavior comes, comes up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good idea. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Well, keep us updated on that, Ambie. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Man, um, I try not to laugh when he does inappropriate stuff, but sometimes. It's hard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or when they say things that are inappropriate. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good time. Yeah. Oh, how about my my son? His first week of pre-K uh, dropped the f bomb twice. So, so the teacher was like, um, "This is becoming a problem." But I'm like, "Oh God." <laughs> yeah. What do you do yeah. at that point? The word's already there. Right. I'm like, uh, "Okay, I'll talk to him." <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Also, we're but, living in 2019. Right. But he also used it correctly and in context, which is what I loved. I was like, okay. So a kid hit him and he said the F word. (laughs) So I was like, okay. Right. (laughs) My daughter who's six, she tells adults everything, which is nice. I like that. But I told her she was, she's got this uh, canopy princess bed. And she was, she likes to sleep in her underwear. So she was dancing on it. And I was like, get off there. You're not a stripper one day, just casually. And we had a parent teacher meeting the next day. And she was like, so Brian told me that she can't dance on her bed because she's not a stripper. And I was like, well, that's true. She's not. So yeah. 
<laughs> Don't judge me, okay? Right. <laughs> if any of and if anyone listening right now watches this show on True TV called I'm Sorry. Literally every single time I see this show, I turn to my partner. I'm like, it's Ambie. Like literally this woman is Ambie because she's a mom who's a who's a comedy writer. But she has like Ambie's exact same sense of humor. Like that is exactly something like she would say. And like always like <laughs> finds herself in weird predicaments like with her kid and her husband, <laughs> like her daughter and her husband. And anyway, just side tangent. If anyone has seen that show, let me know if you agree with what I'm saying. Um, it's just so funny. Um Anyway, Christy, this was super, super awesome. We're at the end of the hour, and this is an awesome first episode in our Conscious Parenting series. Um, so, so happy for you to be here. You are such a breath of fresh air, like literally. Yes. Oh, love, thank you. Love your energy. And um, and you said you were introverted, but you know what? You are you are rocking it, girl. So. I'm an introverted extrovert. That's what I got say. It. I'm an introverted extrovert. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm one too. I got you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so if you guys enjoyed this, stay tuned. There will be three more Fridays in this month, and Christy will be back, and we'll be talking about more conscious parenting. And please, because um, I know that we know that there are a lot of parents in this audience so I'm sure a lot of you have a ton of questions coming up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not in our private Facebook group, Inner Bloomers, um, request to be in there. We'll let you in. And then definitely shoot us your questions so that we can ask them to Christy on the next episode uh, and get them answered. Um, or email us. Or email. Or however, smoke signals. Smoke signals. How do mm-hmm. want to do it? Any, any way. Um, but Christy, is there anything, any, anything you want to share before we wrap up? Um, no, you guys can check out my website, empathmom.com. I just launched on Sunday, so this is awesome that everything has lined up, right? We're going to put that link in the show notes. So if you guys want to check the show notes for that link. Cool. And if anyone wants to email me directly, Christy at empathmom.com, any questions for the next episode, that would be awesome too. Cool. Wait, I have a question. So do you work Mm -hmm. with moms like individually in any way or planning? No, I mean, maybe we'll see what happens after this because I'm I'm in a transitional phase right now. Like I just had my second son. We just moved back from North Carolina to New York City. So um, East Coast, what up? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Awesome. Exciting. Well, thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. We love you so much. Keep on blooming, and happy Friday. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.